everybody, this is Victoria, your dog guru, and today we are answering your doggy questions. But before we get to that, I have a few things to make you aware of. If you haven't already, go ahead and click the follow button. You should be following us at dogguru.podbean.com. That's where all the newest episodes will be airing. If you're listening to us on a podcast app, just make sure you're following us via the RSS feed you can find on Podbean. This is really important because if you were listening to us on blazingcariboustudios.com, that website is now down, so you won't be able to listen to the episodes there, but all of the episodes are archived in Podbean, so you can listen to all the older episodes and all the new ones in the same place. Second thing I have to bring up is the Patreon subscription channel is up and running. It's a great place to find articles. There's going to be polls about the show. There's live streams and benefits to becoming a subscriber at every tier. So do take a look at that. It's a great way to help me grow the show in a way that I haven't been able to in the past. For example, I want to be able to do live streams where I can do live Q&As and chat sessions. I'd like to start involving the patrons and having them on the show, and I want to start interviewing more people in the animal behavior world to broaden the behavior scope and really to educate both of us. I mean, I feel I can always be learning, and the best way for me to learn is to learn from people who are above my station or who do things differently. Oh, and another benefit to the subscription channel is you'll get early releases to episodes and unreleased content that you won't find anywhere else. So those are a couple other perks. That all said, let's get into your questions. I got an email this morning, so I'm going to start with that. So it says, hello, love your podcast. It's so informative. My partner and I have a Groodle. He's about 10 months old. He's such a great natured, friendly dog, loves playing at the dog park with other dogs. But one thing he does that we're trying to stop is when he gets overexcited playing with another dog, he barks at them to get them to play. It is in no way aggressive, but sometimes people get nervous as they're unsure whether it is aggressive or not. We're also having issues of him coming inside and going to the toilet inside. He was the perfect he was perfect at toilet training a few months ago, but started backwards for no reason. And usually we don't catch him in the act, so it's hard to punish as it's already been done. Is this a dominance thing? Thank you in advance for your advice. Cheers, Floyd. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate your email. I have actually, you're going to have to tell me what a Grudel is. I feel a little green right now. I've never heard of a Grudel. So if you could tell me what a Grudel is, I'd be eternally grateful. In the meantime, I don't think it's a breed problem, regardless of what made a Grudel. I'm assuming some poodle and, I don't know, Great Dane? I, I don't, I'm not really sure what else is in there. And I don't have a photo. So <laughs> I'm just I'm curious. I would really like to know what he is. So, okay. couple things. Barking. Yes, I, I can actually picture your dog doing this because I've seen dogs do this at a dog park. I've seen them do it at um, obedience classes as well when they get overstimulated. It's like, you know, it's really repetitive and sometimes they'll even lunge a little bit, but like all of their body language is relaxed. I mean, none of it is combative at all. Not that wagging the tail means that it's not combative, by the way. I don't know if that's what you're looking at, but I'm thinking that this dog is kind of like hopping around and just barking like, play with me, play with me. I've seen dogs do this. And usually it's a socialization problem, but there's only really one way to fix it. It's ending the game immediately. When you see a behavior you don't like and you really want to leave an impression, 
take him away from the dog park instantly. You'll go, you personally will go, "Uh uh-uh, maybe clap your hands and retrieve the dog. Don't ask him to come to you because now he's on notice that you're upset. (laughs) So you don't want to do that. You want to go retrieve the dog, make no other comment and just leave. Okay. All he wanted was to play. It's going to seem like he's going to go, oh my goodness, what's this? This is extreme. Yeah, it was an extreme response because you're being a little too much for everybody and nobody knows how to take you. He'll think it through. You're going to probably have to leave the dog park, uh, you know, maybe a handful of times. Depends on how quick on the on the draw he is. If he's a really intelligent dog, this may take as little as two times of leaving and he may just completely give it up. You may start walking towards him and he might just stop, you know, barking like that. And then you could praise it, right? So if he stops as you're approaching... And kind of goes, oh, that was too far. Then you go, good boy. But if he goes right back to it, you got to go. Make your stance clear. You don't want to waver. You want to be very consistent. Because when you have a barkaholic, (laughs) which I don't think he is in every context, but he's trying to get attention, what we have to do is end all of the access to the attention. That's why you can't continue communicating going, oh, what a bad job you did. That was naughty. No. You just end the game. Leave the dog park. That's going to leave a, di- a, a dimensional change in him. I'll tell you why. I, I feel like people get too involved in dogs verbally. And I don't mean to sound crass, but it's just... They would rather hear you get angry and get some of your eye contact and think that they might win you over than be ignored. So... If you just end the game, start ignoring him, bring him home in a quiet car, life is not fun anymore, okay? And just when you get to the house, you know, go about your daily business. You don't have to make it an all-night thing. He doesn't have to be punished all night. But this is something where the best impression is no impression. Just, ah, ah, that's it. We're leaving. And leave. And, And do it in such a way that you're not angry with him when you're doing it. Because if you project anger, that's actually aggression to an animal. So you don't want to send that message. You're not here to be his enemy, okay? You're not even here to get involved with why he's barking. Yes, it is playful, but because he it's a social protocol and you can't tell him how to be a dog, okay? You need to end the game so at least he learns, oh, well, that was a boundary. Every time I do that, I have to leave. That's what I would do. And just let me know what a crudel is. I'm very curious. But that that's my best advice on that front. When it comes to him relieving himself in the house, I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, you can write in and tell me if, if this isn't the correct assumption, but based on what you're saying, I'm assuming that this is him urinating and not peeing and pooping. But if it's both, then you need to go back to basics, okay? If it's both... You need to act as if he's never been potty trained. Go put him on a schedule again, a routine again. And if if he can't be trusted in the house and you know you can't catch him, then he needs to be crate trained. I mean, really backwards. That's if he's doing number one and number two. If it's just urination, it could be him trying to tell you like this is his land. And in that sort of circumstance, I just start pulling rank in a passive aggressive way. I don't believe in ever combating a dog's dominance by being more dominant. I don't think that wins. 
And I'll tell you why I don't think it wins. Eventually, there are some dogs out there that will not cower. They will fight you. And I don't really like putting people in a situation where I think that they could be at risk. So I would go in on a really progressive front. I walk in with a client assuming that dog, it could harm me at any moment. I just, I assume all of those things when I walk in because then I'm not surprised. I can kind of just take the dog in and not dislike them as they are because everybody needs a starting point. They're not calling me because the dog was perfect, right? So this is all, I'm taking all of this into consideration because it could be a language barrier. And you don't fight dominant behavior with being like, I'm in charge here. This is my house. Dogs don't listen to that. I, I hate when I see owners put dogs on their sides and like stand over them and they're like, he knows I'm in charge. Yeah, one day he might bite you for that. You know, you just didn't have to go that route. And I hate the feeling of getting what I call feigned submission. Okay, dogs... Horses do this too. Dogs are really good at playing along until they don't have to. Okay, so they do it as a survival strategy. It's instinct. But we always assume that if a bad behavior starts dissipating that we've made our headway. But the problem is, is that if we haven't educated them and we don't really know the cause of said issue, we have thrown a giant band-aid on an issue. We have not sealed the wound. And eventually it will reopen, sometimes worse than the first time. Okay, because... He's already had experience. You've tried essentially breaking them down to get the behavior you want. I don't believe in building on fear. That's not a way to build. If someone terrifies me, I don't want to work with you. <laughs> it's not that I humanize a dog. I'm just realistic. Dogs have mouths with lots of teeth. <laughs> and to put it plainly, they're smart. You know, even a dog that isn't being aggressive, like in your case, your dog isn't being aggressive. But if what he's doing in your house is, is a sign of him trying to pull rank and be dominant, don't handle that with dominance. Here's how you go about it. Nothing in life is free. He doesn't get a leash on. He doesn't get pet. He doesn't get access on the bed, maybe ever for a while until he starts respecting that it's your space. You don't have to kick him out. You don't have to ruin his life. You just have to adjust things so that he starts earning from you, earning his food, earning leash walks, earning cuddles, earning all treats, all of the things. So this way you're restructuring his lifestyle. He doesn't go, I own this place. <laughs> he finally has to look around and go, all right, what do I have to do to get this? What do I have to do to get that? And I require simple things. I don't really want to overcomplicate his life. And simple things are where you get the quickest response system. So sit and eye contact, asking him to sit and back up, just asking him to move around where you're pointing is getting him to obey. And every time he does praise at the very bare minimum praise and then give him whatever he was earning. Okay, whether it's a cuddle, whether it's access on the couch, but I don't let dogs on surfaces that are peeing in my house or pooping in my house because it just shows that they don't have respect for the space that they're in. So we have to back up. Whether it's a house training issue or whether it's a dominance issue, those are the two strategies you have to go with. If it's a house training issue, you have to go all the way back to as if you, you had a new baby puppy, you know, 12 weeks and in your house, same structure, 
same routine, same consistency, and no freedom in the house if he doesn't relieve himself outside. Okay, back to the crate. And then you give him another opportunity to go back outside. You have to restructure if it's a house training issue. If it's a dominance issue, then everybody needs to install Nothing in Life is Free. And if you need more information about it, all you have to do is Google it. It's all over the internet now, thankfully. But it's a really effective strategy. Without being combative with your dog, you get the message across that you're in charge. He, has, he gets to live here. You guys are friends. It's a partnership, but he has to earn from you. Very important strategy. And I, I do hope it helps. So go ahead and give me a follow-up email. I'm very curious. Okay, our next question was posted in the Doggy Room Hounds group, so let's go over there. And it says, this question is a bit weird, maybe. First of all, our dog buddy, the one you answered about with the potty training in the house issue, has improved tremendously since we have followed your advice, so thank you. You're welcome. Here's my question. Ella and Buddy came from a loving home, and their bio parents, that's what we call the original owners, passed away around the same time. This is how they came to live with us. They moved in around the end of September in 2019, and it took a little bit of learning each other, but it has become as if they have been in our family for their entire lives. Oh, that's wonderful. Finally, the question part. Do you think they get sad about missing their original owners? I often worry that they miss them or feel some side of some kind of way about not being with them anymore. Also, the plot thickens. I worry about Buddy. Buddy was rescued when he was a puppy. Original owner of Ella found him running around her neighborhood after he was abandoned in a home. Ella is almost twice his age, so she immediately became like a mom to him. They are fiercely bonded and literally cannot be more than a few feet, feet apart at all times. Here is where the worry comes in. We are terrified that when Ella passes that Buddy may pass too due to a broken heart. Of course, we have so much time before that happens, but should we be thinking about integrating a third dog into the mix in a few years to maybe try and combat the eventual loss of Ella? These are the things that keep this dog mom up at night. Any advice would be great. Also, I'll be writing again with yet another issue, but that's for another show. All our love, dog paws and kisses. Thanks, guys. Oh, I love when people write in with progress but have a new issue. I know that sounds horrible, but... I'm glad that you're still listening and that the advice that I dispensed was helpful. So to your questions, I do believe dogs grieve. Okay. So to say that they have no memory or feeling of loss to their owner, I feel would be almost inhuman. I've seen my dog when I went, I'll give you an example and how I can kind of draw some parallel. I went through a divorce and I took my dogs with me and one of my dogs was visibly depressed for a couple of months while he was adjusting and while we were trying to get a rhythm back as <laughs> kind of like as a single mom, you know, I didn't really know if he was going to get over it. And eventually he did. Now, if this is, an, uh, is not an ongoing depression you know, if this is not symptomatic of like, oh, he's super sad and he's just forlorn, I really wouldn't overthink it. Don't fix what's not broken. He already has a companion. Aside from Ella, he's got you. Now to your second question. I would absolutely integrate a third dog. And I would do it while they're young enough that it's not a burden to them. 
Okay, so maybe within a year rather than a couple years. I normally don't recommend adding other dogs, but this is a unique situation and I have absolutely, I just watched what one of my dogs went through as I lost my service dog last year. It was serious. He didn't eat. Um, it got to a point at one point where I was like carrying him around because he was so, so weak. I couldn't feed him. He was barely drinking and it was all depression. I ended up giving him one of the collars from my service dog to wear around his neck. And that was a huge comfort to him. And I also had another dog in the house for him to bond up with. And interestingly, the, they did not previously like each other, but now they're best buddies. Like they lay with each other and everything. So being that I've been in your exact situation, just in a parallel universe, so to speak, I would, I would lean on the side of caution and prep for that loss with Ella. It's going to be significant. I would really think about fostering because this way you get a feel for the dog's personality type and if it's a real fit and you still give a, a dog an outlet, a real house to be in until they find a home. So on two fronts, you're doing a good thing. And I know you guys have really big hearts, so... That would be my advice. I would I would try and find a rescue or a foster that you could take on and, and fall in love with. I mean, you guys are definitely rescue advocates. You've had multiple stories of success with, with rescues. So I just, to soften the blow, I would prep a little, young, a little earlier on than you were initially planning. Instead of two, three years, I'd look at like a year um, to integrate a new dog and maybe start looking at rescues now that might need your help. So that you could, I mean, who knows, you might come across one that you just fall in love with and then you bring them to the environment where these dogs are and you get a feel for what's possible. And then you can write about the foster and maybe I can help you with them. Okie doke. Last question. This one came to us on the Facebook page. So if you haven't found us on Facebook, go ahead and search for Ask Your Dog Guru. Super easy to find. You can like it, share it. I will be eternally grateful. All the shares help us. Um, there's a video right now of how you can, you know, any new people can follow the show. So even if they aren't a listener, they can get advice to questions and have them answered in real time. Okay, our next question says, Hi, I have a three-year-old fox terrier. We adopted him a year ago. He was fixed and fully potty trained when we got him. In the last four to six months, he has started peeing in our house. Any suggestions on how to stop him from marking his territory? Thanks. Ooh, girl, you nailed it on the head. He is marking his territory. I kind of want to refer you to some of the advice I, I already spoke about. But I would also advise that you keep a closer eye on this one. Okay, maybe keep him leashed and... and close on your person. You know, fox terriers are really, really sly. And in my experience, they're experts at hiding when they lift their leg. I had one client that's even I told her, I was like, we're going to need cameras or something. Like I, we never knew where he was going, but we could smell it. Okay. So a couple things you need to do first, you need to get an odor neutralizing cleaner. This is super important. It almost doesn't matter the training right at this moment deodorizing the house in every way possible. This may mean purging rugs that you love that have been peed on. This may mean cleaning every surface. This may mean some serious overhaul. I don't like nature's miracle. I just don't feel like it 
fully neutralizes the odors. I love Odaban. You can find it online. Amazon.com has it. Super effective product, not an offensive odor. So that's where I would start. Second, it is crucial that you do the nothing life is free. This is absolutely about him trying to tell you this is his house and you just get to live in it. You're the help. I've seen this before. Nip it in the bud. Please nip it in the bud. Part of this is that he's just now adjusting to your house. I mean, I know it sounds like you've had all this time with him. And I know he isn't a young puppy, but still, he's a young dog. So you're kind of fighting nature a bit. He's with rescues specifically, it's a gradual adjustment process. So some things that they do later on, they may not have started with. And in some cases, they have never done in a foster home before. So they're, they may not know to warn you about it. Often, if a foster has had a dog for five or six months, they've seen it. But, you know, in your case, the dog could have been in any situation before you got them. And he may feel like, okay, I live here now. You can help. Well, we need to change that structure immediately without being mean about it. So nothing in life is free. Please Google it. It will be so helpful. I gave several examples earlier in this show, and and I definitely think that's going to improve it. The third thing you need to set up is a schedule. This is really important because even though this is not a potty training issue, I think you need to keep a closer eye on him. It's the only way that this sneaky little guy is going to get caught in the act. And he has to get caught in the act. You have to redirect it. If you don't feel like you can have your eyes on him, crate him. If he hates the crate, tough. Learn about desensitizing him properly to the crate. One of my best tips is feeding him in the crate with the crate door closed. It's one of the quickest ways to associate a denning instinct with a crate and get away from some of the... Um, anxiety that goes with having the crate door closed because if they have to eat in there it's no big deal but if you leave the door open they're not really being crate trained so food for thought that's a that's an insider tip when you catch them in the act this is very important you need to go "Uh uh-uh no sir take him straight outside and make sure even if you have to walk a mile he relieves himself at least once outside so you can praise him for it very important. You need to build. It's not enough to just end the behavior and take him outside and be like, I tried. You have to get him to do the right thing so that you can praise it. You have to mark those moments. I would also add a treat for any time he relieves himself outside. I know that this is a marking issue. I'm not misunderstanding you, but you still have to reward what you like where you like it. It's just the quickest way to turn things around. So that's why I'm giving you that advice please do update me. I would love to know how things are going. And if you have a question for me, the best way to email me is askdogguru at gmail.com. Link is in the description, show notes for those who are listening to us on a podcast app. If you listen to us by chance on Apple Podcasts, if you could rate and review us, I would so appreciate it. And I would be happy to read it on air. All reviews are welcome. I take creative criticism and constructive criticism very seriously. In fact, there was a time that there was background music and someone was like, I really like the content, but the music is very distracting. So as you may notice, now we just have intro and outro music. So I do take you guys seriously. 
Which brings me to my last and final point of the day. If you want to weigh in on the show and interact with me in a whole new way, please join me on patreon.com slash askyourdogguru. Again, link is in the, in the description. Like I said earlier, you'll get early releases to episodes. You'll also get unreleased content and you'll get videos and live streams. So there are perks to different levels. So do check it out and help me support and grow the show. I appreciate you. Oh, and one exciting thing that is offered starting this week on Patreon. So if you join on our third tier level, you will get 30 minutes privately with me to talk one-on-one, which is kind of perfect. If you've ever wanted to chat with me or ask me questions about your dog, you'll get me one-on-one, 30 minutes, all yours. Oh, and by the way, thank you for everyone who is listening already. I am so, I just the other day looked at a map of where everyone is listening from. It turns out we have people in Uruguay, Russia, we're huge in India, all over South America, Canada, Mexico. I'm just like in awe of how many places are listening to this show. Oh, Italy. Hey, (laughs) it it turns out that everyone out in the UK loves animals, specifically dogs. So I am just shocked with how many people we get every day that listen to the show. So let's make it the biggest, baddest year we've ever had yet. I hope everybody has a happy and healthy week. That's it for me today, everybody. This has been Victoria, your dog guru. Namaste. Namaste.